Many, many things they happen, no. If you don't know, you go just to suffer. Many, many things they happen, no. If you don't know, you go just to cry. Some community day, they don't get the water, oh. To have you join us once again this morning, uh, we told you we will be looking at another issue as soon as we come back from that break. Uh, while we do, uh, we're looking at the COVID-19 pandemic in Nigeria, and of course, uh, you also heard the voice of the senior special assistant to the governor on health monitoring there. Uh, this morning, I have another set of guests in the studio, and. Uh, this morning we are going to be looking at uh, uh, something uh, very different from the coronavirus pandemic. I have joining me this morning uh, guests from the Connected Development uh, Code. Uh, that's uh, the abbreviation for that. Now, about the Connected Development uh, Code, uh, it's founded in uh, 2012. Connected Development is a non-government organization whose mission is to empower marginalized communities in Africa. Now, they strengthen local communities by creating platforms for dialogue, enabling informed debate and building capacities of citizens on how to hold the government accountable through follow the money. Code provides marginalized and vulnerable communities with resources to amplify their voices with independence and integrity while providing the communities with information that ushers social and economic progress. To enhance effective democratic governance and accountability, Code creates platforms, mobile and web technologies that close the feedback loop between citizens and the government with global expertise and reach they also focus on community outreach, influencing policies, practices, and knowledge mobilization. Code's commitment to participatory capacity and community building and monitoring and evaluation creates effective and sustainable programs even within the most challenging environment. Now, Code's social accountability initiative, uh, Follow the Money, tracked an estimated uh, 3.6 million U.S. dollars budgeted for projects in 69 grassroots communities across water, sanitation, and hygiene, primary health care, and education sectors in the year 2018. Code uh, engages policymakers, stakeholders, and beneficiaries on the effects of artisanal mining activities in Nigeria, Ghana, and Cote d'Ivoire. 
It follows the money initiative expanded to other African countries in Kenya, Liberia, Cameroon, and the Gambia. Codes Follow the Money Initiative was awarded by, uh, in 2019 or was awarded the 2019 United Nations Sustainable Development Goals Mobilizer of the Year. So we have uh, John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation, Osiwa, Oxfam, Nigeria, Luminate and Indigo Trust, Ford Foundation, USAID, and a host of other donors who had partnered with the code. Follow the Money emerged a winner of 2019 Council of Europe's Democracy Innovation Award. That is that about connection, uh, deve connected development. And I have in the studio this morning uh, the state lead for connected development, Comrade Okonta Emeka Okelum. Good to have you join us this morning. Thank you very much. And I also have Barrister Rachel Obodo Obu Salum. She's a humanitarian law specialist. Uh, good morning to you. Good morning. All right, let's start with you. You're the state le uh, lead for connected development. I, I know I, I had to go through that uh, to maybe get a grasp of what really you do. But summarize for us what really your projects are, who you are, and what you do. Thank you very much. Uh, connected Development Code, for short, is a non-governmental organization. We are actively interested in uh, governance-related issues, transparency and accountability issues, and uh, human rights issues. And also, uh, we are actively involved in pursuing and ensuring that the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals are achieved by 2030. And as a, as an, a non-governmental organization, we our principal engagement is to uh, engage communities, especially marginalized communities, communities that do not have the voice, to strengthen their voice so that they can demand for accountability from duty bearers and then uh, ensure that uh, what is supposed to be the their endowment or supposed to be what belongs to them by virtue of provisions contained in the in budget appropriation gets to them at their community level. And so as an NGO, we work within the water, uh, environment, education, health, and uh, sanitation and hygiene uh, sector. We engage communities and uh, we help them to get the voice they require. We help them to get the capacity they require to engage those who they have elected mm. to represent them either at the local government level, at the state, or at the federal government level. So we're talking more about uh, accountability here and then holding leaders accountable right. for what they are supposed to do to the people. Uh, let's get specifics here. Which are the communities you've been able to work with given when you you know came on yes, board? Yes, since, since uh, 2012, since we've started, we've worked in all over 33 states in Nigeria right now, and we've uh, touched over 700 communities so far, and uh, in Delta State, we have uh, engaged 
oil and oil and gas producing communities in Delta North and in Delta South, where we have uh, helped them to. We have discussed issues around uh, gas flaring, issues around uh, uh, climate change in those communities. We've discussed issues about uh, uh, sustainable development, and we have seen actually in those communities we have worked in in Delta North and Delta South. Uh, senatorial districts. We've seen tremendous change and we've seen some uh, oil companies become more responsible, especially in Delta North communities. Now, when you said you've seen some, uh, in your words, tremendous right. change, uh, that is to say you are somewhat impressed you know, with what you see. But do you think that's the reality of the common man, the man in the creek, will that man agree with you? With I say, what we, say, we say for the communities where we have worked in, in especially in Delta North communities, mm. you know, we, we've seen some change. When we started engaging those communities in 2015, they were, the, the oil companies were not doing their bit. But since 2015 till now, those communities where we have worked in, they have been quantum improvement. Um, it's not that we are not, we've not gotten where we are supposed to be with respect to what oil communities are supposed to do in those communities where we are working. Where Connected Development is working. Yeah, the, we've not done that, but we've not gotten there, but there is some quantum leap. And the community respects us. And we love the communities where we are working because there are some improvements. So well, the reason why we are on air is to encourage other oil companies working in other uh, host communities in Niger Delta, in in Delta North, in Delta Central to upgrade. And once they begin to upgrade, we are going to come on air and tell them thank you. And also give those communities opportunity to build mutual relationship with those oil companies and gas companies so that there will be more development and peace in Delta State. Okay, just before we move to the lawyer in the house uh, who I would uh, like to give us some insight to some issues uh, regarding what we are looking at today. We are talking about gender inclusion in local structures of the extractive industries in the Niger Delta. Uh, what is your impression of where we are You know, before we begin to call for this gender inclusion? Uh, uh, that's to you, uh, Comrade Emeka, first. Okay, where we are right now is that uh, before now, uh, the CDC, the Community Development uh, Committee, is populated mainly by male members of the communities. And those male members have those family heads. Family heads choose persons who will represent the family in the Community de Development Committee, which, when we started our project, when Oxfam started supporting us to go into the extractive communities, we did, that was one of the findings we discovered. And then Oxfam is a highly gender-sensitive international organization. And when they saw that gap, they said, okay, we are going to stop and refocus our programs on gender inclusion. And so that is why the second phase of our program focused on gender inclusion. We saw that gap. The gap is there. If you go to many oil-producing communities in Niger Delta, in Delta states, especially in Delta South and in Delta North communities where we have worked, their CDC members are populated by male. And that was a gap we saw. And that is why we are focusing our energy, our resources, and our attention on this second phase. All right, let me speak with uh, Barrister Rachel Obodo. Uh, did you also see the same gap uh, you know, the comrade Emeka is talking about? 
Well, um, thank you very much. The gap has always been there. It is not a question of seeing it now. It, uh, even before I was born, the gap has always been there. It has been gender issue. You know, the issue of gender is not just about uh, women. It's also about male and female. Where culture or where our lifestyles define the roles of whether the man or the woman becomes a gender issue. So, but co uh, uh, coming down to what we are discussing today, we are talking about the role of women in governance, in governance, especially in the extractive industry. There's been a gender gap, a gender gap, like he mentioned, in the CDCs. I also come from it, uh, an oil producing community, and I can tell you that there is no woman in the community development committees. There is no woman. Now, so what's, very big gap. what, in your opinion, you know, is responsible for that? Like I said, I said that it's the gender role, it's the role that are ascribed to women, basically, that women uh, are not fit for certain roles in the society. Women are meant for the kitchen or for the bedroom or, or you know, that is the role assigned to, to women. But we have forgotten that there are a lot of progress made in the society today are based on decisions or discussions reached by women, either from their household or from uh, small groups and clusters that they belong to. So I think there should be a, a very big shift from that thinking. There has to be a behavioral change, a mindset change from what we used to know. We have to unlearn some of those things that we knew before and begin to include women in governance. You know, um, a lot of um, extractive activities, like both in the, in the mining and in the oil um, extractive industries, most of um, the, the benefits from these oil companies, men benefit, men benefit. But the negative impacts, the negative impacts from these industries are suffered. The, the, the women share a higher proportion of the negative impacts of these extractive industries. And we're talking about women who are fishermen, women, uh, uh, women who are farmers, women who need to access hospitals, who need to go through, pass through good roads to go to their farms and their, and their marketplaces. These are people who are primarily... Yeah, of course, we can say that men uh, also take care of uh, men, uh, women and children at home. But who are these people who go to the field? Mm. Who are these people who go to the field? It is these women. If you look at communities where they have mining industries, those who mine coal and all that, when you go to these places, you will see a lot of women. There are a lot of women who are there. So we are, we are, I think women are marginalized in the extractive industry. Uh, uh, Barista, we'll talk more about that. I mean, you know, the whole gender issues, it's not something we can wrap up in just one topic. And uh, uh, there, there will be more to be said. But there have been concerns about maybe the, the safety, you know, the health uh, hazards that are related to this job. So you outrightly calling for the inclusion of more women. Uh, someone wants, might want to ask, did you also consider the implications of having more women? Okay, now let me tell you something about uh, safety. The way, the way the woman was built, the woman was built to take into consideration a lot of things about safety, care for the human being. Now if you are talking about uh, health hazards, is it not the same air we breathe? The woman breathes in the same air as the man. The woman eats the same food as the man. So what is, what is the difference? You are talking about... Uh, so that's the, that was why I mentioned the role ascribed to, mm. to women. So if a woman can become a pilot, if a woman can become an army officer or a naval officer, why can't a woman be at the helm of affairs in the extractive industry? What stops me from being um, uh, the, the, the head of, of Shell in Nigeria or the head of, the head of Chevron in Nigeria 
or the head of NMPC, what stops me from, from being that? Is, are, are the men more qualified than the women? We have seen a lot of change in, in, in industries or in agencies where women have been the heads. Okay, I, cannot, I cannot begin to mention a lot of things that are happening in, in Nigeria currently where women have taken the lead have taken the lead and we have seen considerable results, a very big change in there. So it's not the issue of safety. Now when the women are there in these community development committees, there is this balance that you will have in such committees. Why I, I, I say balance is because the way we, we talk more about the safety, even the safety of the men. The women are out there to talk about money, but they will talk about more the safety of the men, the safety of the communities. Now we need to, uh, then they will now uh, demand more of hospitals, of schools, of good roads, and good you know, markets. Okay, absolutely. We'll definitely talk more about that when we come back from this short break. Do stay with us. Many, many things they happen, no. If you don't know, you go just to suffer. Many, many things they happen, no. If you don't know, you go just to cry. Some community day, they don't get the water, no. Some community day, they don't get the school, no. Some community day, no primary healthcare. And that is why we focus. Staying there, I'm still speaking with my guest from the Connected uh, Developments. That's the code there for short. And I still have with me the state lead for Connected Development, Comrade Okonta Emeka Okelum, and of course, uh, humanitarian law specialist, Barrister Rachel Obodo. Now, uh, before we went on that break, uh, we were looking at the, the gender inclusion in local structures of the extractive industries in Niger Delta. Yet, Barista, you made it clear that there is a big gap, you know, as far as the uh, gender representative or representation is concerned in the extractive industries. Uh, but let's uh, look at the the legal implication of having, you know, what you want to call an all-round gender inclusion in the extractive okay. industry. Okay, thank you very much. Um, you see, the Extractive Industry Transparency Initiative, AT, is the standard for operation for um, extractive industries in the world. And then Nigeria is a member of that initiative. That's the NAITI. Nigeria's own is called the NAITI. And then there's a standard. There's a standard for operation. However, the um, legal framework for women's participation in governance both uh, in extractive industry or any other thing is primarily the 
Nigerian constitution, of course, where it underlines the uh, fundamental human rights um, of every citizen of the country. However, there are other things, the other um, um, legal documents that uh, we may refer to, we may refer to, uh, uh, for example, the International Covenant on uh, Economic, Social and Cultural Rights, and then of course we have the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. These are, there are a lot of conventions basically from the uh, UN that Nigeria has, um, you know, assented to, but we have not really seen um, these laws or policies being played or applied in the courts, in the courts in Nigeria. Why? Because uh, women generally have not demanded, they have not demanded their rights, they have not demanded their rights. So it is, it is what we are calling on uh, today for women to know their rights, know why they should be included. There are a lot of, I, even I am a victim of, of you know, gender uh, imbalance where uh, I've been in, a, in an interview uh, panel where <laughs> I was the only female, but of course, questions oral questions given to me were based on the fact that I was a woman, not not basically uh, on my on my capacity. So and, and I felt really bad. I felt bad. Why why would why would that be? You should give me an interview or should give me the same questions that you give the male uh, um, um, the male applicants. Mm. And not because I'm a woman. Okay, if you get this job, how will you uh, cope with, with with your home? How will you? No, that that is that is wrong. Don't don't ascribe that role to me. I being an applicant or I coming out to say I can do this. I, it means I ha, I had already made up my mind. There's already a commitment. So basically, um, conclusively for me, I, I, I call on stakeholders to enhance gender equality in the extractive industry. To propose efforts, we should propose efforts. I'm calling on the civil society, the government. We should try to implement these laws. We should implement these policies propose efforts to promote rights and education to ensure safe and fair working conditions for those doing work in the in the extractive industry, both at the governance and then especially in the local government because I think the, the, we have to begin from the grassroots. In the local government, the CDCs especially, comprise of mainly men. And I don't think there's any community basically that we have um, um, one or two women. If you even have a woman in such committees, these women are giving roles uh, like uh, welfare, go and uh, buy food, uh, drinks for the committee, and then after the meeting we have... The way you ask the woman what was discussed in the meeting, she would not give you a ready answer of what, why, because she was sent on errands while the meeting was, was, was going on. So I think women should be given um, roles, leadership roles, in order to, to have a balance in the now, let, let's speak with uh, Comrade Okonta Emeka. Now, when we finally get to this point, you know, listening to the barrister talk passionately about this, so when we finally get to that point where we have women included in the extractive uh, industries, what are the benefits you see? Why is it so important to have women there? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, for us at uh, Connected Development and for us uh, with our partners at Oxfam in uh, international in Nigeria, gender is an issue we do not compromise. Gender is an issue we do not uh, joke with. You see, for everything we do, you see us play out gender issues. If, for instance, you've seen two of us come, a male and a female. You see, gender is an issue for us. Gender is not just only about women. It's about balancing a woman, a man, a boy, a girl, and also including the marginalized persons like 
the including um, uh, physically challenged physically persons and other uh, disadvantaged persons, which for one reason or the other we will not want to recognize them because of our laws, but we include them until we we include all these persons in the society in the framework of what we do. We cannot say we are getting it right because these people have special needs, which. If you don't include them, those their special needs will not be at- attended to. And when their needs are not attended, it will give reason for community conflicts. It will give reasons for I- instability in local government, uh, local structural governance. You see. So, and again, once these persons' issues are included and they are included in decision making, we are not just. Just like she said, not just bringing the person in the school and the person does errand. No, the person should be, these people we are advocating for should be in the system and be part of the decision making. They, be, they will be part of the planning process so that the community, you see, where you have people, like now, in this, in the, some of these communities we are working in, in, Del, in, Niger, in Delta North and in, in, in Delta South, those communities is difficult, but they are beginning to. Um, embrace these things and i tell you those communities are enjoying more peace and the oil companies in those communities are beginning to respect those people when the as 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 as, as those communities are beginning to bring women closer the oil community the oil companies are respecting them and they are listening to them though they have not fully integrated women, but women are beginning to come. Well, there is, you know, a, because starting, it's a, there is a starting thing. point. It's a cultural thing okay, that uh, been over the years, yeah. which we are trying to shift. You know, you see, and we are encouraging other oil host community, oil yeah. and gas host community, to bring in their women. Those oil companies will begin to respect them, begin to allow persons who are who are living with physically challenged. Physical, uh, disability uh, to come into their CDCs. Mm. You see, those companies will begin to respect them and development will sweep in into their community faster than they can think. Okay, I, I think that's a fine place to leave it there. Uh, Barrister Rachel, your final words as we go. Okay, um, um, you know, I work with women and girls a lot, and so I would really love to, I love to talk to women specifically. If you are listening to this radio presentation, you are more than you think you are. Don't limit yourself into contesting or applying for positions less than your capacity or less than your qualification. Do not allow anybody tell you or limit you. If you are going for the pr- position of a president, you should go for the position. Don't let anybody say, ah, go for vice president. Now let that man contest for. If you know you are capable and you have what it takes, please go for it. That is what, and then for um, um, the government and um, the stake, because we have multi, the, uh, the starting industry comprised of a multi-stakeholder, uh, is a multi-stakeholder issue. So I'm calling on all the stakeholders to include women in governance structure through um, their programs and policies. Because even the Naiti Act uh, uh, also recommends that, of course, oil companies m- must make their policies, their company policies, uh, you know, open should be open to the government and of course it should be gender friendly okay we just have to leave it here for today hope to come your way again when we bring you more from the connected development uh, the code for short that's c-o-d-e i've been speaking with comrade okonta emeka okelum who is a state lead for connected development it's also good to have you join us this morning thank you very much 
And of course, a humanitarian law specialist, Barrister Rachel Oboda. Thank you so much Thank for you. that insight. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, right, we hope to come your way again. Keep listening to Trend 100.9 FM. Have a good morning. Many, many things they happen, no. If you don't know, you go just to survive. Many, many things they happen, no. If you don't know, you go just to cry. It's a community day. They don't get you what I Oh, yeah.